Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome back to Fitness Canner Podcast. This is Eric Feigl, as always, your host, and I am joined today with strength and performance coach um, Matt Lindemood from Chicago, Illinois. He is the, the owner of Lindemood Performance, and he's not just another run-of-the-mill strength and conditioning coach. Um, he dives more into what the athlete is actually about, so he's intentionally getting to know his athletes on a deeper level. And he feels that it's very crucial to, quote unquote, unleashing his athlete's full potential, not only on the performance field or in the weight room, but just in life in general. And the more I start talking to strength coaches, the more I, I talk to people who are working with athletes of, of all ages, I've, I'm finding these kind of ideas uh, to become more popular. And that really interests me because I think that when an athlete reaches a certain point in their in their career, whether it's high school, whether it's college, or even pro, if it's cut short, um, something like that, there needs to be something else there they can gravitate towards. They need to feel like what they're doing on the field isn't isn't going to be their end all be all. So I think that's where Matt is going to really uh, shine some light. So Matt, thanks for joining the show, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me. It's an it's an honor and a privilege to be on here, and, and just to be able to speak a little bit into what I'm passionate about and what I love to do. So, thanks for having me. Absolutely, my pleasure, man. So, give us a little bit more context and background about who you are, where you came from, and then we can dive into what you do. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, well, for background here, I'm I'm a country boy from West Virginia. Uh, grew up in the Mid Ohio Valley. Um, played a lot of sports growing up. My parents, you know, made it important for me to be involved in just about anything I could get my hands on, whether it was soccer, gymnastics, football, wrestling, baseball, um, just kind of all the above. It soon became where wrestling and football and track were kind of my most important things. And I was really focused on those. And uh, that's when I decided to pursue a football career in college and, and get really invested into uh, that side of things. So I went to WVU. I saw this incredible opportunity to, to get on the field. And that was through the weight room, right? Is putting in that work, putting in all that effort. And that's kind of where I fell in love with strength and conditioning. And, and not only that, I saw the opportunity uh, to impact lives as a strength coach. So seeing how much time we spent with those guys, I mean, there was only a month out of the year entirely that I didn't see those guys. Um, and I couldn't say that about my position coaches, you know, they're out recruiting, they're out doing these things. So just the opportunity to be involved in someone's life and how much influence my strength coaches had on me uh, really, really gave me a, 
this this idea of how impactful I could be in this in this area. So dive a little more a little more into your actual playing career because you weren't just kind of the the average football player. You had your your sights set on something bigger, right? Yeah, absolutely. The my focus going to WVU was to win championships. I can remember my dad telling me, um, he was like, you're going to be lucky if by your senior year you play on special teams. And that's kind of how our relationship was there for a while. Uh, wrestling was probably my number one sport, and I had scholarships to go kind of wherever I wanted to with that. But I decided to walk on to WVU, and that's where I kind of made my, my name was in the weight room. The next year I ended up getting a scholarship, and I was, I was starting as a freshman. Um, so I redshirted my first year and then I was starting. So I quickly reached my goals, right, of what I wanted to do. I'm a D1 football player. We're playing at a high level. I think WVU was ranked fifth in the country my first year there. So that quickly transitioned into, like, being my life and um, how much time was invested in that was what my focus was. And on the side, I was getting my exercise physiology degree, really not knowing what I wanted to do with it just knowing that I was interested in the body and, and being able to maximize my performance on the field. So if we were going to put all our eggs in one basket, my, all my eggs were in the football basket, um, especially after my first year being like, wow, I'm actually decent at this and there's a possibility of playing in the next level. So once I put everything into that, I'm going in it as hard as I can. I ended up getting this neck injury and I can remember getting a phone call from my doctors and he just said, Hey man, it was like eight o'clock at night, right? Um, I'm sitting in there, we're doing this leadership team meeting, trying to really invest in my teammates. And this is my uh, red shirt sophomore year. So that's three years into me playing. And he just said, hey, um, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're not gonna play football ever again. Oh, wow. And I can just immediately like, I, I just like my eyes started welling up because a lot of my relationship with my dad was through sports. So like that was my life and that's how I related to my dad and that's how we were close. So experiencing that man was one of the heaviest times in my life. Like I can put myself back, myself back in, my, in those shoes thinking that how much more of my time and my life was going to be spent on football. I, I knew it was going to end at some point, but at 21 years old, I don't, I, I didn't think of it on that level. And that was, that honestly, I mean, that, because I was so invested in that, I didn't know what was going to be next. I'm like, this is what I've been bred for my entire life. Um, sports and everything else you know what is what is next for me I, I couldn't fathom anything next so I was trying to find a way to get back on the field and um, fortunately for my health it didn't work out <laughs> and right, I'm right, sitting right. here today and, and not uh, not you know having paralysis issues and stuff like that so um, but but yeah I'm, it was a uh, that was probably the toughest time of my life and I think that shapes a lot of what I do or why I do what I do today Definitely. And I think you're not, you're not alone when you talked about not really knowing what to do with that exercise science degree, because I don't think as, I don't think as a whole, honestly, I don't think as a whole, the, the exercise science field sets people up in a way where they have a clear, um, a clear definition of what they're going to be doing. You know, no. I mean, unless you, unless you've been in athletics and you want to yeah. be a coach or you want to be on the strength training side, I mean, you know, I don't know how many schools out there have like a personal training program, not very many, yeah. you know, it's mostly clinical, it's mostly clinical stuff, like you're automatically going to go on to be a nurse or I don't know, whatever else is out there. Obviously, you and I are in those other fields, but 
I mean, you're not alone in that, you know, there's a sports background going to exercise science and being like, what the hell am I going to do with this degree? <laughs> but, but so, so that's a good, good transition into uh, what you're doing now and how you established a Linda Mood sports performance. So uh, tell us a little bit about your philosophy and, and how all that came about. Yeah. So the, the big focus for Linda Mood Performance is holistically developing athletes for sport and in life. I, I saw this void that I was missing um, in the development process of my athletes. And I was you know, trying to help them find their, their motivation and what got them going. And through that, I kind of realized that there's a, there's a piece missing here. I didn't really know what it was, right? So as I'm bringing people in, I'm helping people achieve their goals and their dreams and, you know, some days they, they come in feeling a certain way. Other days they come in feeling a certain way. And you got to work around that. So trying to get to the root of those things that are, that are causing um, the problems, the disconnect. You know, sometimes kids will come in. They'll be like, I just broke up with my, my girlfriend. I'm like, okay, well, you need a hug today. You don't need, you know, drop sets on bench. Right. You know? <laughs> um, so right. it's, like, it's like there's a lot of stresses and, and things, especially up here in the North Shore of Chicago. There's a lot of pressure on academic performance, which, which I'm not saying is good or bad because obviously there's an academic standpoint and why that's, why that's important. But a lot of kids get focused on if I fail in this, then I'm nothing. And right. that becomes the definition of who they are. And I see that as like a paralysis or like a, um, almost like a box. They kind of box themselves in. So how I, how I kind of came up with this philosophy was I think I was driving down the road one day listening to a podcast and I was hearing someone talk about the all blacks and their whole purpose is like, how do you become so dominant for such a long time? Like what, what is it that makes you guys so different? So someone went in and studied them and asked them, how do you choose who comes to play for your teams? And um, what players do you bring in? And the coach said, you know, we, we see that there's a lot of great athletes that we can choose from. But in the end, we found that uh, better people make better All Blacks. So they find people that are developed, that are willing to, to put others first, that are willing to, to serve and, um, and to play as a team. And that's how they've become so dominant. And that just like sparked something in my head. And I was like, something about developing people. And I went on this like, I just kept searching and searching and searching and, and thinking how this was going to apply. Um, there was a there was also a freshman tennis player that came in and she was just like you know you've we've all had these athletes where they come in and you know she's playing at a very high level her her parents were her mom was number two in the world in tennis at one point and her dad was a coach and so they're all really intense in tennis and every time she came in she just looked like she was super down like just a robot so I ended up like in the middle of our session, I was like, Hey, let's go, let's just sit down and talk a little bit. So I just started asking her questions and I'm like, Hey, I, th I think the first question I asked her, I said, do you like tennis? And you could tell she was caught off guard because she's never been asked that question. <laughs> and she was like, sometimes and I'm like, okay, well, what, what do you like about it? What don't you like? And very quickly, just three or four questions in, I got down to the bottom of why she's pursuing what she's doing. So as you strip down those layers, it's like peeling back that onion, right. And getting down to the core of it. And I started seeing the, the disconnect that these, some athletes have in their mind that's preventing them from either experiencing, um, experiencing the, the levels they're trying to achieve in their sport or just even in life and, and when that's going to end. Because like, like me, when I was growing up, she's, she's so focused on tennis that when she's not playing well, 
or when she's not doing well at her sport or in school, then she feels like she has no value to add to life. And that's when she starts searching for, for other things, trying to fill up, whether it's drugs, whether it's friends, whether it's doing certain things with anyone else, but trying to find value other places. And I think that takes away from the athlete and them trying to achieve their goals. That's definitely, that's a huge part of it. I mean, just like you said, it's the onion, you strip away, you strip away, you have to kind of dig deeper and that's not an all, all in approach, right? It doesn't happen all in one uh, workout. That's, that's building the relationship over time. So mm -hmm. how, how do you, how exactly do you build that relationship? Cause obviously these people are coming to you with the, with what most people think is the intent to get better at their sport, to get stronger, to reduce injury, et cetera. But when someone first comes into your program, what does that look like? That's a good question. And I, I don't know that I have a, a great answer for you, um, just because this has been something that I've been, I've been developing. I've only done this, um, not experimentally, but I've only done this unofficially in training and stuff like that. I haven't had a system yet. Now, in a couple of weeks, I am launching the full system of how to take athletes from the beginning to the end and, and journeying through that process with them. Um, and my logo actually kind of describes that and we can get into that later, but, but absolutely the pe people come in because they want to get faster and stronger and they want to be more injury resistant in their sports. That's the number one. And if I'm not focusing on that, then the mental piece um, just becomes an afterthought, right? So I'm, right. my number one goal is, is to develop them in that because that's what they're coming to me for and then i'm trying to help them realize the mental side of it and why it's important as we're going through it you know some are ready for it and some are not but we can only go as it's all about meeting the athlete where they are and a lot exactly. of times yeah that that just happens by asking questions right everyone's favorite subject is to talk about themselves and i found that high level athletes rarely get the opportunity to think for themselves uh, because they're just kind of doing what everyone else tells them to do oh i should be working out four times a week I should be doing speed for an hour a day um, and with rest days, or I should be doing my sport this much time. So it's just like going and doing those things. And really, I just want to create a safe environment where athletes can feel uh, seen and they feel known and they feel heard for who they are. And maybe it's just providing a space where they can even ask the question that's on their mind. Or I think a lot of times kids don't even know the questions that they have. They can't articulate how deep they feel. So I want to help. I want to, I'm not telling them to think the way that I think. I'm just, I'm just trying to help them to think for themselves and see that. So it could be a series of questions and, um, you know, but I, but I think subconsciously or consciously athletes will be asking, do I have value apart from my performance academically and athletically? And they're trying to figure out who am I? Um, the problem is those questions usually aren't addressed until there's a crisis, whether they have an injury. And for my case, I had a career ending neck injury and I finally addressed that question, right? Now, my, my hope is to address that before any of that happens. So I call it like prehab for life, right? You can do prehab for 10 minutes a day, or you can wait till you get injured, and then you can do PT for 10 weeks. And, you know, so if you, if you just kind of implement these things and start to, start to set yourself up to understand who you are and, and what, you, what, you, what your dreams are, what you're passionate about, ultimately those things are going to charge you up to be the best version of yourself. And it's going to help you to perform better on the field because when you're a better, better person or a better self manager, you're going to be a better athlete, a better teammate, better girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband. Um, and the list goes on. Yeah. Overall human, right? Just on and off the field. That's kind of the ultimate goal, I think. And I like that prehab for life. I put that in um, 
I put that in all caps on my notes here. When, when one thing you and I discussed before we started recording, we talked about what the term, and I think a lot of people have heard this, iron sharpens iron. How does that look like if you're helping one athlete, you know, in, in all the other aspects of their life, how does that reflect on the other athletes that are maybe around that athlete you're working with? Oh man, absolutely. I think I heard someone say that your reflection of your five closest friends around you. So it's who you surround yourself with is super important. So as you invest into a kid's life or a professional player's life or whoever it is, it's, it's obvious that whoever's around him is going to see that and they're going to become better versions of themselves. So think about Michael Jordan being on the bulls, you know, those, those players around him became the best players of their game um, at that time due to his influence and not that they weren't going to be great anyway, but there was a serious influence that he had on them and he was able to connect with them on that deep level. So yeah, it'll, I mean, it obviously will trickle out into the team and affect those type of things um, as well. Do you see like if you're working with someone who you know, like that tennis player, for instance, and you're working with them, you're trying to uncover more. Do you find that 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 athlete will maybe try to help another athlete in a similar similar way? Like they they're they now know that it's okay to open up and to have like a normal uh, conversation with somebody outside of what you know sport they're doing or outside the workout. They can talk to um, other athletes you know, about, about anything. Do you see that happening or is it, is it harder to pull that out? No, definitely. I, I definitely see that happening. The, I think the issue is as a strength and conditioning coach, like I said, we have a lot of opportunity and I think it's just being a consistent figure to them in their life. That's not, that's, that's loving them, like loving them without strings. So de not dependent on their performance. Uh, we're going to still be there and help them achieve their, their dreams and goals. So they might get that in the weight room, but you know, maybe they go back to tennis and they're like, my coach only likes me when I do well. Or maybe they'll go back to football and it's like, well, my, my coach said, if I don't do this, then I'm worthless to the team. So I think it's going to take, it'll take more people in their life, but some people, um, whether it's their parents, like ideally we would be training the kids, you know, and I can influence the kid's life. But then when I start working with the parents and help them to see, I'm like, Hey man, Jack just needs to feel loved and know that you really care about him for who he is regardless of how he performs and seeing that transform that kid's relationship and seeing how that translates to his field of play. And then how he's talking to other people about saying like, man, this is what I've been doing. And they just see a difference in them. They're going to be coming to him and say, Hey, what's, what's different. What have you been really, really focused on and what's changed your performance? And I think the coaches will see that and whether it, you know, they acknowledge what the change was, but when someone's playing freely, right, they have this freedom to fail, this freedom to make mistakes now, all of a sudden, that's dangerous, right? So what, when we find what these athletes' prisons are and what may be holding them back, whether it's the fear of failure, the fear of not being accepted, or the fear of not being able to achieve like a dream. So I guess that would go back to failure as well. But yeah. finding out what's, what, is it, what it is that's holding them back. And when they finally break through that, that influences not only their parents, their brothers, their sisters, the kids around them, to where they're going to be asking. And then once they break free from that, they're, it's almost like they're on the other side, right? And you can't, you can't go anywhere or take anyone anywhere that you haven't been yourself. So once these athletes go there, they're going to start to see this in other kids and, and friends on their team where kids are going to be more open, you know, to your position coach or your 
I mean, I can tell you in my, in my circumstance at WBU, I couldn't be as real with my position coach as I could a strength coach because he directly influenced my playing time. <laughs> right. So, you know, <laughs> so these kids are able to be themselves around, around their teammates. And when you see somebody's real self, if you have the knowledge um, that you've experienced, maybe through someone actually ex- like sharing that love with you and seeing who you are and um, helping see the value in yourself, you can, I mean, I've seen people take that right back and start to do it to the kids around them. Yeah, that makes total sense. I want to circle back to something you mentioned a couple of times and you said the word parents. And obviously we know the impact. We don't have to get into all of that of what the parents um, can, can play on the, the student athletes um, outcome. But how do you create buy-in to what you're trying to do with the parents? Because I've talked to other strength coaches and they say that if you can get a parent on board, the parents open enough to, you know, let the strength coach or their, their certain specific sports coach have the reins, then they can see that child start to start to blossom. But if you have like an, you know, an overpowering um, parent who wants to have control all the time, obviously that can cause conflict with the coach, the athlete, you know, which can trickle down to everything else that's going on in the weight room. But how do you create buy-in with the, the parents? Yeah, that's not a, that's not an easy answer, <laughs> um, as you know, but it, it honestly just depends um, on, on the type of uh, type of parent that I'm dealing with and, and what their background is. So, you know, fortunately for me, if I, if I'm with a football player who wants to play D1, it's really not hard to get someone to buy into what I'm doing. Now, if I'm training a swimmer who wants to go D1, I'm the worst swimmer in the world, I think, you know, <laughs> I, I just sink in the pool, man. And I, my overhead mobility isn't where it needs to be and, and all this stuff. But, you know, I've trained swimmers for a long time and I've seen a lot of, of impact in their lives and, and their swimming careers just by doing some mental stuff and physical stuff on top of it. So when I sit there and I, I talk to the parents, you know, maybe it's, you know, going back to the performance side, because ultimately they want their kids to perform better. And, and some of them, you know, honestly, some of them are trying to live their dreams through their kids, which is destructive yep. to the kids and, and their relationship. And, you know, when I see, when I see disconnect in the kids and the parents, and they're like, I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know why he's thinking this way, why he's doing these things. Usually they're coming trying to figure out what can I do to help. And at that point, that's when it's, like I said, when someone reaches crisis, now you can start to reach and pour back into their life. And, you know, maybe it's the kid trying to find value and trying to get acceptance from his parents. And as soon as the parents see that, they're like, oh, wow, you know, I didn't realize that. But, you know, a lot of it's the performance stuff. People come to me because I make them run faster. I make them jump higher. Um, I guess I don't make them. I help them to achieve those things, right? They have to decide to do it. But give them the resources to achieve their goals of running faster, jumping higher, you know, being stronger, more injury resistant. Like that's why they come to me. And I think a lot of it is just, just being able to, to be good at that, right? If we're not good at that, then what are we doing really? And um, so being able to, to the parents to see that. And because I think as well with my track record with uh, working with a lot of the NFL athletes and seeing a lot of results there too, it helps with buy-in. Um, but no, it just it depends, on, depends on the sport really. Um, and the mental side is, is something that, that people realize. And um, as you start, start digging into people's lives and, and kind of seeing those things and seeing pain come up and that connection point. So 
really it's all about relationships and just kind of connecting when the parent knows that you really care about their, their son or daughter. Um, that's when they're going to be like, okay, this guy really cares. And they see you investing. It's, it's really hard to turn away from someone from caring too much. You could be the worst strength coach in the world. And if the care, if the parent knows that you care about their kid, they're going to keep coming back to you. So yeah, really just, they really just are gauging your buy-in really. How much are you buying into my son or daughter? Um, Ooh, that's good. That's good. I, I did a podcast a few months ago with coach Falkenberg and he was talking basically about the exact same thing you are. It's, you know, you, you got to meet the parents where they are, just like you're meeting the student athlete where they are. And you get those, you get those parents who are all in right away, but then you get, get some who kind of, who actually might be hands off all the way, which I, I, for some reason kind of thought, well, maybe that's kind of a good thing, but he kind of wants somebody who is, um, who is on board just enough to know that you know what you're doing. They know that you care, but want to be able to help on the outside and not help by, you know, Hey, coach said you have to do this today. So, you know, I'm going to grind you into the ground and you have to go, you know, wake up at 4am to run sprints or whatever that is, but making sure they get enough rest and they're eating right. And, and all of that stuff comes along with it. And that's kind of like having somebody on your, um, that has your back. That's, you know, basically like a second coach, you know, if you get somebody who buys in that much, I mean, you can't, you can't, like you said, you can't have somebody who it, it's, you have to have somebody caring all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's huge, man. Yeah. Well, there, there, there has to be a balance there for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, what, what else, what else do you have working on, on your side of things? Yeah. So right now I am working on, like I said, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be launching my, my version one. Um, my, I have this version one mindset. I, if there's not a version one, there won't be a version two. So not that anything's perfect and anything's set in stone, uh, but just kind of launching it and getting rolling with everything. So starting the eval uh, and moving into the, the performance side and into like leadership and, and ultimately getting to original design and who somebody was, it was and is designed to be and how they were designed to operate. So getting into that stuff. So once I, once I launch that, it's just going to be kind of moving forward of how we tweak it to make it better and better and better. So right now, most of it's geared on my end to the professional level. Um, so I've, I'm starting to do it with uh, different professional athletes that I've worked with in the past or uh, that I'm meeting through different friends and relationships. And uh, then it's going to be working on these personal development workshops. So it's going to be a little bit more structured versus before athletes would come into me to get, like I said, stronger and faster um, and more resistant to injury and all this stuff on the field. But now there's going to be athletes coming to me to this for like the mindset training. So it's almost, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to, to fully advertise what I, what it is I do. And then I think there's going to be people coming in for that side, not only for the performance side, but coming in for the mental side. So it's like this mind, body, soul approach. So hitting, hitting everything. Um, and yep. I'm, I'm just kind of working on getting all that together and uh, launching that version one, which isn't as easy as it sounds a lot of times. Oh, it doesn't sound easy. There's no, there's nothing easy about, especially if you're the one, you're the one doing it. Like it's never going to be perfect, especially in your eyes. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you what, but it's, it's so close to who I am and my inner life of, of all the pain that I've experienced and people, people connect so much more over their pain than they do common interests. So this, this pain point to me that I experienced growing up in this void is, is somewhere I can invest into other people. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about it. So 
you know, I, there will be obstacles. And like you said, it is, it is challenging, but I'm excited to, to jump around those or jump over them or go through them, you know, whatever we have to do to get to the, get to the product we're looking for. Well, and it's real too. It comes from a place of like genuine care. I think if, if anybody can look outside, if you're, if you're a smart person, you can kind of pinpoint what something or somebody needs and you can artificially give it to them. And, you know, a lot of people do that, especially in this industry. It's unfortunate, but it's true. But if you have somebody who's taken the path, who has walked the walk, talked the talk, and they actually have something to give back like you're doing, then, I mean, there, there's no doubt about it, that people are going to see that you, know, you only want the best for them and that, you know, the program's going to be a challenge. But it, when you're doing something that you love, I mean, is it really that much of a challenge? I mean, you might, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be a, it's going to be a bummer. Sure. Like you, you know, you're developing something, something doesn't quite work out right, but it's not like you're going to be, I don't know. It's not like it's going to be a, like a deadline for a boss that hates you. <laughs> you know? Like you're going right. to, you're going to figure it out. You're going to do it. You're going to do it to the best of your ability. And it's always going to be changing and evolving. So um, we're looking forward to, to seeing that come, come out. If anybody has any questions, comments, concerns for you, where's the best place to get a hold of you? Uh, you can send me an email. My email is matt at lindamoodperformance.com. And right. feel free to reach out on social media at lindamoodperformance uh, on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, Matt, I, again, man, I, I appreciate you sharing your passion and your vision. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Eric. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform at Eric Feigl or email fcp at ericfeigl.com. Make sure to check back every Tuesday and Thursday for more fitness candor. <laughs>